Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy, and we also have to welcome uh, Margot McDonald. Good morning, Margot. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. <laughs> All the way down the highway. Yes, I was easy going this morning. It was dark, but... Uh Cool. I had a blanket over me and the heater on at first. Get <laughs> really? down to Melbourne and yes, whip everything off and it's what is it, 27 degrees, I think. Uh, it's going to get hotter. Oh yes, yes. We're over the heat, I have to say, but um, you just got to keep going, don't you? That's right. And the main thing is to keep up the watering, unfortunately. Yes. Well, I'm um, I'm not spoiling the garden garden, but uh, I'm mainly watering pots at the moment mm-hmm. and getting a lot of enjoyment out of those to oh, see some they... nice green lushness. They dry out so quickly, the they pots. They do, yeah. yeah. Uh, saucer underneath is the trick yep. for the, the really thirsty ones. Yep, yep. And also, um, if you're using terracotta pots, of course, yep. you can actually spray the inside of your pots yep. to, to seal the inside. So or the outside. Or the outside. Yeah, yeah so that's always yep. a, a good idea. And Pam, I also mulch every pot that I've got. If there's a bit of soil showing, I mulch. But of course, the blackbirds are enjoying that. So. Oh, yes, they'd love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, um, no, it's nice to have a little bit of lushness around the house. And because the garden is fairly new, I don't really have any shade yet. Okay. So I've the got trees aren't up high enough. No, no. And, um, well, it's, you know, this, the, the sun is so baking. Mm. And day after day of that, you know, country sort of sun, mm. with not a cloud in the sky. So the only shade plants I've got really are in pots near the house under the veranda and okay. the little courtyard that I've got, which yep. is my little oasis. <laughs> and it's just heaven. So... Um, Excellent. Yeah, that's what I do. But yeah. uh, we are on tank water being out in the country because we're 10k out of Kyneton, right. a little hamlet called Lauriston. And, um, yeah, we're just on the tank waters. Uh, and I have to now water when my husband's out because <laughs> he keeps saying, oh, yeah, that's our drinking water. But, uh, you know, it's my hobby. So if I use all the water, I'll buy some more from the local guy. But, but Margot, it's more than a hobby. You're, yeah. keeping, you're keeping your house cool. You yeah, know, you, you have to keep up your greenery. That's right, yeah. So and um, it's, it's good for the mind as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we, yep. of course, water veggies with the tank water. So, um, yeah, yep. he doesn't mind that. <laughs> it does all the he can see something positive from <laughs> it. Exactly so. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. We also have to say a very good morning to Millie Ross. Hi, Millie. Good morning. I could have got a ride with you this morning. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Down the highway. <laughs> when I looked at my list, it was not your name, but that's um, exciting to see you, Margot. Uh, nice and to see you, Millie. Yes. Yes, a bit dry, isn't it? I mean, uh, what, what can you say? A tad. A tad. Um, I, watch the, I eagerly watch um, the bomb release a little video every two months. And it sort of explains the weather patterns and why things are happening the way they are. So often it's, you know, the, the temperature of the ocean off Western Australia that might be pushing a lot of the lows further south so we don't get the rain. And it, it's really fascinating. Mm. But also it's, it's sort of like watching a train wreck, I guess, <laughs> you know, because you're watching and, you, and yeah. you know, it's actually showing you, it'll show you a fantastic um, 
you know, map of Australia and yep. show you, I think, where uh, they use fantastic wording, like talking about soil moisture, that it is, you know, much below average or, mm. you know, all of these, these types of terms. So mm. apart from that sort of north east of Australia, which has had record-breaking rain, um, many of us are very dry and the outlook is very dry. Yes. Yes. We're, um, we're planning on growing a lot of pulses this winter and um, I was keen to hear the, the forecast for the break, the autumn break, farmer <laughs> talk, but well, um, look, they yeah. say it's going to be late. But uh, it's, Every year I've noticed since we've been up in that area, it's getting later and later. The long dry spell is getting longer yeah. every year. So. And I guess it's, you know, I mean, I've, if anyone's interested, you can jump onto Facebook um, and have a look look at the BOM website. If you look BOM up you'll, or just yeah. onto their website, you'll be able to find these videos. But they're really fascinating. And, you know, I still am trying to understand how weather works. Like, mm. you know, they talk about global warming is what they used to call it. Um, yeah. Now it's climate change. But it does. Everything is, is you know, an ocean here affects the weather, yeah. um, you know, a long way away mm. from it. and, and um, Everything affects really fasc- everything else. Yeah, really fascinating it? to yeah. look at that. But, but also really sobering to see that okay that's our long-term feeling about what's going to happen and and you know for a gardener it's it is it, it's essential it's, yeah and yes. it's, it's it makes it easier to plan because you know the autumn break for farmers is also the autumn break for for, for gardeners to start yeah, planting that's so, right um you know imagining that i there's things that i thought i might plant in sort of april but i'll probably push them back to may um, and, and, you know, and so yes, on. Yes, well, I, what I viewed um, Gardening Australia last night, and you Fantastic. talked about autumn planting. Oh, and did I'm I? Thinking, <laughs> and I'm thinking, not yet, thank you. Not I know, yet. it's very, well, it's just for the autumn show. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but you'll yeah. do plenty more of that, won't you, as the season goes yeah, on? Yeah, absolutely. And we, yeah. I mean, we completed that eight weeks ago. So <laughs> it's quite a, it's it's a, a quite bit a hard to predict, game. yes. Yeah. Oh, look, <laughs> very we much. knew it would be dry, but also... Yeah. Um, you know, we, we also really need to show people some action in that, yeah. you know, to sort of say this is the season really. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of people who aren't gardeners would think that spring's the time that you should be doing all of that. Yes, of course. Um, when in fact... No, I find get, that really yeah. informative. And it just reminds you, even though you're gardening, you, you do need reminding all oh, the time constantly. of what, what jobs there are to do and how to prepare and everything. Yeah, so I mean, it's really good. I sit and fact watch the show or watch other people's stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. And I often go home from work thinking I've got to get this job yeah. done because I've just seen it on, yeah. on it's a very on inspiring. A yeah. Yeah. Oh, and just by the way, people who don't know what BOMB site is. BOMB, Bureau of Meteorology. <laughs> yes. So the BOMB, I know we sort of talk about it we like it's, it's quite wonderful for them, I think, too, that it's got such a consciousness yeah. now that people go to the BOMB. But, um, yeah, Bureau of Meteorology. Um, and they do they just provide fantastic information, yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I have their little app on my phone so I can look at... Um, the weather really quickly and you can scroll down and, and see the radar um, mm. and, you know, if you're waiting for rain. They say there's a 10% chance of a storm up our way um, today, but um, I think the city's a little bit more of a chance. But, of course, that yes, makes me a bit are. nervous around fires. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, weather. Isn't it just the best? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> no, we're all having heat exhaustion, I think. But, yeah. you know, you've just got to push on. It's just a matter of keeping things alive till that break does come, mm. really, isn't mm. it? And, exactly. And you really do sort of get to see the resilience of certain things. Oh, yeah. um, at, at, you know, it's yeah. it's interesting to see what does persist and yeah. sometimes it's not the things that you anticipate. And, and you also have to sort of think, well, I've got this much water, what can I put it on? What do I really want to save or keep looking good? Or, mm-hmm. You know, and let, you've got to let some things go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have done that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the plan anyway long term to sort of see what would take the conditions and just, you know, 
colour out the things that are not coping. Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, we have to plan for the future. Exactly. Mm. Mm. Yes, succession planning and, um, yeah. and taking yeah. into account climate. It's sad to see some things go, but, um, yeah, you just have to do that. Mm. Mm. That's right. Yes, I, I think we've got to lose our... our cultural um, <laughs> yes. relationship to Britain well and truly behind <laughs> us now. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of those things are super tough, though, and mm. that's, that's, you know, the things that are going to stay and yep. they're still green. Yep. And, uh, you know, even the old... I don't have any box hedging, but, you know, that is super tough and that's, a, that's why it's in so many gardens because it does survive mm. here. Mm. Yeah, the national plant of Kyneton I call <laughs> Viburnum tinus. <laughs> but, um, I don't have any of those. Yeah, yeah neither. I'm just, no, thank you. Um, but, you know, exceedingly beautiful. Like, I had one hanging over my fence, actually, which allowed me to kind of watch it but not care for it right around the back of the house. Yeah. And I used to pinch, cut flowers off it. But, um, you know, really quite beautiful for quite a long season, sort of forming the buds and then they hold for a really long time and then the flowers hold for a really long time. And New red and leaves. Sometimes the you foliage. get the odd little berry, not many. But, yeah, um, yeah like a, a lovely, lovely plant but, um, and a really traditional plant. Mm. Um, but, and, yeah, very, but, very tough. But Obviously we come to not like it because tough. it's grown everywhere. It just mm. It's too common. Mm. So, you know, there are lots of other things. Like the Osmanthus family, they're, they're just underutilised in Kyneton, and they're mm. as tough as old boots. Mm. Mm. And they'll, they'll take rotten bore water as well, which is a much plus for me. <laughs> I, I, I try not to use the bore water because mm. it's so really salty, and you don't want the water table to go down. Oh, no, exactly. So um, all of those considerations. But yep. I have to say, just lately, I've given some an emergency drink. Yep. But I just let it trickle onto the ground yep. and don't spray it over the foliage. So mm. I think that's the trick. But, mm. Mm. I think too go. many people think, you know, bore water is, is yeah, yep. something for nothing. And they're, they're, right. they're tapping into it way too much. Too much. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. So, yes, just got to be conservative and um, logical, I suppose. And, mm. Mm. and, you know, you can have those treasures Yep. You just keep them in a spot, you know. It's like, you know, the zoning idea. But even in pots, like some of my tr- treasures are in pots and they get daily attention. Yep. But, you know, other parts of the garden get neglected. Yes. Um, well, I've been weaning my pots off around the house to sort of get a water one and a half days and now I'm trying to get them onto two days with yeah. watering. Yes. Whereas in that, you know, the, when you've got day after day of hot, mm. I'll do it every day. Mm. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grow quite a bit of, like, really... I grow things like basil in pots because yeah. it's much easier to pump the soil full of water. You know, potting mix retains it really well, you know, really heavily fed, yeah. nice big container. I find it actually a little bit more efficient to do things like that in a pot. Yes, I as agree. As opposed to the garden bed. I agree. Just yeah. because my, I mean, and it's interesting, you know, my little garden when I, when I bought it, my vegetable garden's on the north side of the house, which has a driveway running alongside it, which is reflected heat. And, you yeah. know, it was July when I bought my house. Yeah. So I was like, I need this heat. You know, this yeah. is well, but it's turning out to be too hot for quite a few things. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm going to move the rhubarb out of there. Um, it's it's great eight months, but you know, for yeah. for those really hot days, it, it, it's it's too it's hot too for it there. Hot. They just wilt so much and they struggle. Yeah. They go yeah. soft. Now I've got mine in a pot and I've moved it into the shade. Yeah. Good just, idea. You know, under the veranda because yeah. there's nowhere else. Yeah. yeah. And so just like really just fine tuning. Yeah. And and also I think. I feel like, you know, that it's, as we're saying, that the, the long hot is longer. So coping with a week of hot weather is one thing, but then if it's the cumulative third or fourth mm. week of hot weather that they've had to put up with over a two-month period, then that is a, is a yeah. really different yeah. thing to withstand. Yes. And, and that's where you start to see that damage. Occurring. And I've found that um, repotting things and then mulching on the top and feeding them 
and you know put a saucer under them, a lot of them. Mm. It's just been fantastic. So mm. they really need it. They grow out of root room and then they struggle, mm. and it's harder to keep them alive. But the minute you repot them, give them a bit of root room. And new goodies to eat and drink. Yep. They love it. They're, yep. you know, happy as. Yep. You've brought something in a saucer of water today. I love have. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I have. That's my little joy. <laughs> Rather a big joy. <laughs> Did you want me to talk about that? <laughs> or you've got no That's, that's, that's all right. You might as well. We've mentioned this. Let's oh, the water. Yes. Oh, because yeah. all our listeners will be curious oh, now. Okay. What to... If you look on Facebook... You know, the website, uh, yeah, Facebook. Go to 3CR Gardening Show. see what we're going to talk about. I've got um, two Ligularia plants with me today. And the first one is Ligularia, uh, I'm not even quite sure. I think it's Dentata. And it's the leopard plant. And I'm not sure which variety this is. I think it's just Ligularia. Dentata. Dentata. Oh, you know, the one, burgundy sort of Burgundy understand. back yeah. leaves. So and, good. Uh, yeah, and I've got the flower here because so it's good. doing... This is just the smallest flower I picked, but, you know, they're um, bright yellow daisy-like flowers in big mm. bunches. But you really grow it for the foliage and the lushness. And um, in pots, yeah, I put that in a bowl or a saucer because it is a water lover. It's really meant for a bog garden, so it's a bit of a treat for me. But I've got this tiny little courtyard area, and it, it just shines in there it's just fantastic and you know each a big evening, pot yeah big pots and i've divided now i've got two so nice. they're together they huge amount but this leaf that i've got with the purple back it would be 30 centimeters across it's gorgeous yeah you can see on the photos but i've got a bigger one behind me in a big pot of water and that i um saved from a garden that was going to be demolished in new gisborne it was in the garden of the plantsman who started the the uh, Australian Garden Open, the Open Garden Scheme. Oh, Neil, right. Neil Robertson. Yes, right. Who sadly has passed away. Um, and I got a few little treasures. Nothing was named. So, and this was just a tiny So that's Oligularia? Oligularia. Have you I seen a flower? No. I think it's Desdemona. It's another Dentata one. Oh, yes. But the leaf, one of the leaves on that, I haven't cut it off because I have to show you, is over 40 centimetres wide. One leaf. It's incredible. <laughs> I see yeah. they've changed the ligularia that they call the tractor seat. They've changed its name. It's been shifted. But there's one, that's what they call it, the tractor seat. Oh, because, because it, it looks like, like it. A, yeah. it looked like yeah. a big tractor seat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it wants nothing more than water and maybe a bit of food. And uh, I, I used to great. try and grow these. I went through a and I stopped trying because the caterpillars used to get me. They used to get Ear quite wigs. attacked by caterpillars. And are you, yeah, how are you going with pests up there? I mean, it's a long walk bad. to your place for a caterpillar, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Across some rather rough ground. Yeah, I <laughs> suppose. But the butterflies just come in and lay their eggs. But no, I just I think what's eating a few of the leaves are just earwigs. Okay. I don't think right. there's no caterpillars on Because it does look like food, doesn't it? Yeah. You just look at it and go, well, that is a good feed. That <laughs> oh, yes. Leaves. Yes, indeed. But what about snails? No. Well, no? I, I haven't got any snails in that little courtyard area, thank goodness. Oh, okay. Yet. <laughs> but I've got little water bowls and the birds all come in. We've got so many little birds that are thirsty. You know, little uh, blue wrens yeah. and, mm. I don't know, just native things with yellow. I don't know my bird species, but so many. In your book. You can just see and observe if you sit there. And it is amazing. It We've is. got a little bird bath that's become a bee bath, actually. Yeah, bees. Oh, which, yes. which has been really All fascinating. And um, because there's a few bricks in it, so they can land and and um, and sort of crawl down. So yeah. depending on the wind, they can get a bit of shelter. But it's been quite extraordinary watching them come and go. I mean, I, 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 
I'm very controversially, I have very mixed feelings about European honeybees, to be honest. Like right. I, um, and particularly because I know that so many of them are feral, and I know that's hard for people to hear, but there's a lot of bees in the environment that shouldn't be in the environment. Nesting hollows where wild animals should be can be mm. full of feral bees. So, you know, I have this, I have this sort of love-hate relationship with them. I know yeah, because you love the honey. Are. I love honey. I love their pollination. I love watching them. You know, I, I love them, but I'm also... I think, oh, you know, yeah, I find it, it's quite a challenging thing. And it's something we, we talk about it behind the scenes at GA a bit, you know, there's this love for bees, but, and mm. we're trying to build that love for native bees, and I yes, think that exactly. is building. Mm. But there is also this other, other edge of that sword, which is in probably in wild places that um, honeybees are really problematic. Mm. Um, and the rangers will go and, you know, in a lot of um, national parks and whatever, they go and actually cull mm. um, swarms oh, when, right. they, when they yep. find them. And also they're a real risk to... Beekeepers, because they're feral populations that are, you know are unmonitored, and when they're needing to monitor bee populations for disease so closely because of what's happening around the world, that's it's, right. It's, you know you can't. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. we've been fascinated watching them come and go because, I mean, and, and the way that you know twenty or thirty will come at once, come swarming in and just and hit God. the bath, and because they they drink water themselves, but they also take it back to the hive right. and moderate the temperature and the humidity for the brood. So they keep okay. it somewhere between I think it's like thirty two and thirty five. Don't don't quote me on that. Degrees at all times, and so they actually, you know, sort of as a group come and they'll take it back to they'll be taking it back to the hive wherever that is. But um, yeah, it just it, it just it just brings it home, doesn't it? You le- yeah. accidentally leave a tap dripping and you come back and there's there's insects on it, or and um, you know, for birds, that's one of the best things you can do if you can if you can get an old drippy tap happening, um, <laughs> you'll find uh, you'll find just a little drip will be almost better than a bath or anything else because it's yeah. just I've just got some um, old stones which are shallow bowls and yep. I just re- redo them every morning when I'm watering pots or whatever. Yes, and by the afternoon, you know, they've yep. been splashed all over the place or evaporated yep, or. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I went to film a garden um, in Malmesbury a few few weeks ago, and it was a really hot day. And they had a, a bath that the wallabies come in and drink from, and they had to move it because they said they'd just crash straight through the garden bed. So now oh. they've got it in this very prominent spot, so all the wallabies can get right round the edge <laughs> without <laughs> trashing the garden. And I yeah. thought that is nice work instead yeah, of putting a is. fence up. Yeah, just exactly. rearrange your, your, yeah. your, your well, garden. We've got the blue banded bees now in oh. the garden, yes. so that's really nice. Aren't to watch. they gorgeous? Yeah, and on Lamley website, the latest email, they've got a checkered. Blue I saw that cuckoo one. Yes, yes. yes. which is but extraordinary. But it lives up to its name, cuckoo. Yeah, because um, it's not exactly the most sociable insect out there. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it looks amazing. It does look amazing. <laughs> checkered, checkered cuckoo bee. Yeah, I mean there are so it. many species. It's it's just extraordinary. Yeah. Actually, yesterday I was standing looking at the bee bath. And um, which you know it can be very distracting. It's worse than Facebook or you know, <laughs> any of those things, which is great. You know, it's put one in and the kids can sit and watch bees and see yes. watching TV. Um, I was watching and a, 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 a wasp came flying in and grabbed one of the bees. Oh, and uh, we've European. got a stick that we try and kill the wasps with all the time when they're yeah. So that came in and all. I just panicked. I didn't know what to do. So I actually just squished it with my finger. So I thought, stuff it, and I. Flicked it off, and I, I felt like a, like I was in a fist fight basically with this <laughs> European wasp. Yeah, they're tough. And I had to push it under the water, and I killed it with my hands because I I just killed them. So you didn't get stung or anything? I didn't get stung. Well, I just kind of swept it into the water first, okay. and then got it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a stupid yeah. thing to do in a way. But and actually, I think it had already stung the bee because the bee then was sort of oh, not quite right. Yeah. But it was really amazing. We have seen um. 
a few times come home and there's a lot of abdomens of bees just in the oh, in the water. Oh, so really? someone, I don't, but it could be a yeah. bird also. Yes, There'd be a number be. of different bird yep. species that probably do that. Yeah. But we ha- haven't observed it, but it could also be the, yeah. the, the yep. European well, Here's another tip. I've got a very big water bowl. It's a, oh, I don't know what you call it, a jar. For, and it's sort of waist high. So quite big, takes a lot of water. Okay. And I've got a, um, you know, a water lily growing in it. All right. And the water level goes down. And because we're on tank water, I don't want to keep filling it. No. So, so that the birds can access still the water that, as it goes down, we've put chains around the edge. Oh, so fantastic. drop chains in and out, like oh, two, right. one across, so, so it's like a cross. And we just watch the birds. It took them a while to get the gist of it. Yeah. But they get on the chain and they hop down. You're have right. a bath, have a drink. That's their stairway. And you don't even see them. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly there's his head come popping up again <laughs> and out they fly. Fantastic yeah. idea. And one sits on the edge and watches to see that it's safe while the other one goes in and then they take it in turns. That's great. So, it's, a yeah. really, it's a really important tip. Like That's yeah. why we've got bricks in that if you're going to have water around, yeah. it doesn't matter what animal it is, it needs to get out. Yeah, so frogs so is the same, leaning yeah. it. Leaning Especially some of the bird bars because they're slippery too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah so you need yeah, a yeah. stick or yeah, bricks or rocks or something. Years ago I used to have a bee, bee bath, a, a, a watering system, and I just had a little piece of hessian. That I ran down oh, yeah. into the water. Oh, yes, so that'd work. And an old towel works rough. really well. Yeah. So they can, and they actually, you find they'll drink from it. So they'll land on it and sort of almost suck the moisture out oh, of it. Yeah, but right. Like a wick almost. Yes, yes. Into yes. A, a, um, some sort of, sort of, sort yeah. of water. But look, truly, if you did it today on this hot day, yeah. I, I, I reckon you have someone visiting, insect or bird, oh, by oh, the end of the day. Very quickly. Like it, it's Absolutely. really amazing how quickly. Yeah. Um, and once one finds find it, it, word gets out. Yeah. yeah. Even the dog, you know, gets up on the top and has a lick <laughs> when it's full. <laughs> <laughs> the chains are, gr- are great, yeah, and they look nice. Chains is a great yeah, idea. Yeah, no, that's yeah. brilliant Use idea. roll chains. Yep, yeah. mm. yep. Okay, I'm going to get to some community announcements. Yeah, about time, Pam. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, firstly, I've got a very important message. Um, Cloud Hill Festival of Flowers was supposed to be on today as well as yesterday. That has had to be cancelled if anyone was planning to go up to Cloud Hill today uh, because there is fire activity in the area. So um, I recommend people don't go to the Dandenongs today. Mm. Um, stay safe and, uh, and uh, save up. Autumn is a wonderful time to visit the Dandenongs anyway, so just uh, postpone uh, driving out to there uh, for... Uh, this weekend and certainly um, as I say Cloud Hill have had to uh, close down that festival for today but uh, there's plenty of other things on Uh, first one I should mention is that our good friend Karen Sutherland's garden is open today it was open yesterday it's open again today for Open Gardens Victoria Uh, the garden is called Ganya it's at 22 Lochinvar Street that's L-O-C-H I-N-V-A-R, Lochinvar Street, Pasco Vale South. Now, it's open from 10 through to 4.30. Entry is $8, children under 18 free, students $5. There's going to be free garden talks by Karen on, uh, in the garden. There'll be a um, Moreland Community Gardener's uh, food and drink store made with local produce. There'll be rare edible plants for sale honey uh, from the garden for sale and there'll be signed copies of Karen's co-authored book Tomato No So Grow Feast. So uh, that's all happening today out at uh, Karen's garden and um, it is a wonderful productive garden um, with a huge range of of edible plants so I do recommend that uh, if you've never visited it 
um, you would really find it a delight. Now, uh, also um, a reminder that um, our botanic gardens are having a series of all sorts of events coming up over the next few months. And uh, one that I might mention today, because it's, it's starting uh, on next Wednesday, the 6th of March, and running through until the 3rd of April, this is a, a, a free activity for young children. <laughs> it's suitable for ages 0 to 5 um, with an adult in attendance. As I said, it is a free activity, and it's called Rhyme Time. Um, you can delight in a variety of stories, songs and nature play surrounded by the beautiful gardens. It's brought to life by storytellers from the State Library of Victoria and these pop-up sessions will transport you and your little ones into a world crafted with words and your imagination. So uh, you can join other families and uh, join in the activity as uh, the first step of their learning journey. As I mentioned, it's presented by State Library Victoria in partnership with Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria. Bookings are essential. You can jump, jump online, go to uh, Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria, Melbourne Gardens, and uh, you'll be able to book there online. Over the next uh, few weeks, I will be mentioning um, quite a range of other activities that they are planning. They've got an incredible um, program for you and so have Cranbourne so I will be mentioning some of those over the next uh, few weeks uh, now uh, the other um, diggers uh, festival is still taking place this is Heronswood Harvest Festival and this is coming up next weekend 9th and 10th of March uh, you can celebrate homegrown harvest at Heronswood House and Garden in Dramana uh, they, uh, you'll be able to get gardening tips at the free on-site workshops, join free garden tours with expert gardeners, take part in the famous Harvest Taste Test. You can enjoy lunch on the stunning pool lawn and explore various forms of pro food production, uh, in particular the world-famous vegetable parterre and the digger's mini plot. Uh, and, of course, uh, there'll be the uh, conventional kitchen garden which services the Fork to Fork restaurant. Now, it's, the address is 105 La Trobe Parade in Dramana. Uh, entry is uh, for Diggers Club members and under-16s is free. For visitors, $10 for that one. And so that, uh, that address, again, is 105 La Trobe Parade in Dramana. And that is happening uh, next weekend, 9th and 10th of March. Uh, now, <coughs> also the Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria are holding a um, science seminar series for 2019. They've got their autumn-winter program happening at the moment. The next uh, talk coming up is March the 6th. And it's going to be a talk uh, on the ecological role of large mammalian predators in southeast Australia. The speaker <coughs> will be Dr. Jeff Yugovic. Uh, he's from Mount Eliza Association for Environmental Care. Uh, now that will be held at Mueller Hall. The seminars begin at 1 p.m. Uh, so Mueller Hall, of course, uh, is right there at the back of the National Herbarium on the corner of Birdwood Avenue and Dallas Brooks Drive in Melbourne. You enter Mueller Hall through the side door via F-Gate. 
And uh, if you'd like to make more inquiries about that, you can uh, phone Terry. His number is 5990-2204. That's 5990-2204. And they're going to be running one of these seminars each month right up until um, the end of June. So I will give out those each, uh, each month as well. Uh, <coughs> now, also a reminder that... Uh, on next Saturday, 9th of March, is the last musical event in Cloud Hills Garden for the uh, summer uh, uh, season. And this is going to be the music of Riley Lee on uh, the Shakuhachie. Uh As I said, it's Saturday, the 9th of March, next Saturday. Cost is adults $45, under 16 $35. You do need to book for that one. The easiest way is to uh, jump on their website, just type in Cloud Hill and it will all come up and you can book on that or you can phone the gardens. Their number is 97511009. Now also, uh, let me see, what else do we have? Uh, Geelong Botanic Gardens have got their next themed guided walk coming up on next Sunday, the 10th of March, 2 o'clock. Entry is by gold coin donation. You uh, meet the guide on the front steps of Geelong Botanic Gardens and the theme of the walk is going to be perennials and the silver border. So uh, that's coming up next Sunday, 2 o'clock, down at Geelong Botanic Gardens. Now, also next weekend, uh, it's Fernie Creek Horticultural Society's um, 14th Annual Plant Collector's Sale and Garden Expo. Of course, it will be held in the grounds of Fernie Creek Hort Gardens. They're at 100 Hilton Road, East Sassafras. It'll be open from 10am to 4pm on both days. Entry is still only $5.00. Uh, there'll be 20 to 30 stalls, both in the gardens and in the hall, selling a wide variety of plants and garden paraphernalia. There's free on-site parking with some disabled spaces allocated. Uh, there'll be light refreshments, um, as well as the popular sausage sizzle. Bus groups are welcome by arrangement. Uh, now also next Sunday, Reedsdale Bush Market um, is on. This is taking place at Agnes Mudford Reserve, which is at 2631 Kyneton Reedsdale Road in Reedsdale. Now, the market begins at 9, finishes at 2 on uh, the Sunday, and uh, there'll be a wide selection of stalls ranging from local produce, uh, including, gosh, you name it, olives, honey, jams, chutneys, preserves, beef, beef, I must say, beef jerky, Um, herbs, spices, cake stalls and plants, um, including rare natives, through to clothing, new and loved, um, fishing tackle, the list goes on and on. Um, So if you'd like more information about that one, you can phone Alwyn and her number is 0419-513-976. Just a couple more that I do need to mention. Uh, firstly, uh, Wednesday, 13th of March, there is going to be a talk um, 
being given uh, on heirloom vegetables and sustainable gardening. This is by Simon Rickard, and he's talking for the Friends of the Melton Botanic Gardens. He's going to be talking about uh, about uh, all things um, heirloom vegetables. Um, and, of course, Simon comes onto the program uh, on a regular basis. Uh, <coughs> there will be uh, free admission and supper will be provided. Now, it starts at 7.30. It's being held at the Botanica Springs Community Centre. That is at 249 Clarks Road in Brookfield. Um, you do need to uh, reply, and you can reply to John Bentley. Uh, you can phone him on 9743-3819. Leave a message if it's unattended. You can email friends at fmbg.org. So John's number again, 97433819 or friends at fmbg.org.au. Now, uh, one for the diary, Saturday and Sunday, 16th and 17th of March, uh, the uh, autumn plant sale of Australian plants from the Growing Friends group of Cranbourne Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens, Victoria. 10 through to 4 on both days, and the location, of course, is down at the Cranbourne Gardens, corner of Bellato Road and Botanic Drive in Cranbourne. They'll have a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots for sale, priced from $3. And the final one that I need to mention, uh, Encouraging Women in Horticulture have got a special autumn coach tour coming up. This will be heading to Geelong Specialist Nurseries and Gardens. It's taking place on Saturday, 23rd of March, and uh, it's a full-day tour. 8.30 sharp departure from Federation Square. Uh, then at 10am, they're visiting Country Dahlias uh, in Winchelsea. There'll be morning tea there, tour and talk, opportunity to purchase plants. At 12.20, they'll go to Cottage Farm Nursery and Gardens, which is uh, Burrabool Road in Nawari. Never heard of the township before. Wow, there'll be lunch there as well, and again, an opportunity to purchase plants. 2.10, they're heading to Palm Life, uh, which is at 30 Peart Court in Lovely Banks. Again, a talk and a tour. And uh, the final visit will be at 3 o'clock, which is going to Suello Gardens and Nursery, which is at 120 Viewbank Rise in Lovely Banks. Afternoon tea there, tour and talk. And then you arrive back at Federation Square at approximately 5pm. Uh, payment and registration details are uh, costs, if you're a member of Encouraging Women in Horticulture, $85. Non-members, $100. Um, you do need to register and you go to events at ewha.com.au. Uh, bookings and payments need to be received no later than Friday, 15th of March. So uh, those details again to uh, register, go to events at ewha.com.au and book that by Friday, 15th of March. Well, it's high time we opened up our talkback lines. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have Millie Ross in the studio and also Margot McDonald, so do give us a call. The number is 94190155 to speak to the team on air, 
or if you'd like to speak to Liz on the outside line, 94198377. We're going to our first caller and we have uh, Felicity out in Coburg. Good morning, Felicity. Good morning. How are you? We're all well. That's good. I was hoping you could help me out with some information about my peach tree, please. It is about a five-year-old dwarf peach that was gifted to me at a time where I had no knowledge, skills or interest in fruit trees. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) I now now have um, (laughs) and have discovered that it is full of either coddling moth or oriental fruit moth and the fruit this year, which is one of its first years of fruiting, is just inedible and the tree just doesn't look well. Um, I'm not sure. I've done a bit of research and it looks very difficult to manage this condition um, for a novice and I'm really struggling to work out whether I should try and save it or whether I should pull it out and before it spreads to the other fruit trees that I've got and intend to plant in the next coming months. Can I ask what what is actually happening when you say mm. the fruit's being attacked? So coddling moth can well it can attack a lot of things in the oriental fruit moth as well, but tends to stick more to some of the pome fruit. So is it are you finding grubs in in the fruit? Yeah. So when I look at the fruit itself, it's got um, like oozy clear white stuff on the outside, um, and when I cut them in half, it's it's rotted right around the pear with pink. So it's a pear, worms. not a peach. Sorry, we've oh, got sorry, dwarf... sorry around the peach. Yeah, it's a peach. Um, it is a peach. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, okay, so sometimes like gamosis and whatnot can have a similar, which is a bacterial infection. It can have a similar um, sort of effect on stone fruit as far okay. as the tree itself will ooze sap, but also you'll get sap coming out um, of the sort of the end of the fruit because that's kind of where it actually joins to the tree. Um, yeah. If you can't find caterpillars. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really curious as to whether that's exactly what it is. Um, mm. Have you had someone look at it, like physically look at it and give you that diagnosis? No, this is just Google image searching. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess um, I don't think you've done anything wrong is the, the first step, even though you had no knowledge mm. or, you know, don't worry, peach trees have been doing it without us forever. So That's right. Um, <laughs> but, but, look, I, I would look at the overall health of the tree as the first step. Is it is in a pot or in the ground? It's in the ground, but it's not in a desirable place because it's 40 centimetres away from a self-stone plum that I'm putting a lot of effort in and want to keep. So hence not wanting it to spread to that either if it's something that might spread to a plum. Yeah, I'd I'd need to spend a quick minute reading to see if it's something, like just to work out exactly what is causing that problem. So it's the first Mm. time it's fruited too, did you say? It may have fruited last year, but but the the fruit never turned... Um, orange. Sure. It just stayed little and green and I assumed it was just because it was so young. Yep. Yeah. Whereas so this year they have finally turned orange and smell amazing. Yeah, um, okay. I, but, look, I would yeah. persist with the tree. If it's only its first year, um, it, it could just be a bad year for them and something something has gone wrong. I, I definitely um, take some fruit to a nursery while you've got the chance. If yeah. there's fruit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Old where, where are you? You're in Coburg. I, you know, duck yeah. out to Bullion Art and Garden or go mm. into the series nursery, somewhere that you know grows a lot of fruit, and get them to just have a quick look. But it sounds like the tree itself is under stress. If the tree looks a bit rubbish, mm. Um, mm. and sometimes that's the best thing, instead of trying to target a specific problem if you can work on that overall health of the tree um, and if it's fruiting I, I would give it another chance I think the dwarf peaches are probably the best dwarf fruit trees that I know okay. I think they're really productive they produce a really fantastic crop for mm. a really little tree yes and if, 
Um, if you can address the health, you know, same old things, good deep soak, I'd get the hose on a trickle. Um, you might, you know, top dress with some compost coming into the cooler months so that the soil can be working away in that way. Um, yep. And, yeah, just I, I would be more inclined um, to, to think it might be a, a bacterial or mm. fungal thing. But if you're finding grubs and caterpillars, then you might need to address something through that sort of dormant season. So yeah. often you can interrupt a pest problem in its dormant season as opposed okay. to needing to be active chemically or anything like that mm. when yeah. it's actually got fruit on yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah, overall health of the tree and I'd get a, a, a firm diagnosis yeah. on the problem. And I would consider moving it in the winter when it's dormant. If it's oh. got roots of that plum tree to compete with, perhaps that's half the reason it's not thriving. Mm. Right, so, okay. Um, yeah, How and they're easy to that? move in the winter. Being a dwarf, it shouldn't be too big. I can pot it, and if it persists, I can put it far away from all of my trees. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah. I'd, I'd put it in a new site in the ground, yeah. and okay. uh, but you know, really get that ground prepared really well, and um, just it'll take away take off in spring. Yeah, they're pretty good trees, and you know, I've got one in a pot, but it's not going to live in a pot for a long time. No. It's just because I had it and I, I yeah. needed to move it. But yep. um, they, you know, I've had a couple of peaches off it this year, but it takes a lot of consistent energy to get a fruiting tree to go all the way from flower yeah. to full-size gorgeous yeah. peach. You know, there's a lot of time to be very consistent with That's the water. That's right. I just so go buy a peach. <laughs> <laughs> Got one right here, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> Is that one that you've grown? No, yet? that's a clingstone that I just wanted to eat this morning oh. in the car and still haven't. <laughs> okay. So I will. And I've brought my breakfast. <laughs> Tomatoes, good. radishes. and Good luck with it, Felicity. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for advice. That is most appreciated. Okay, good on you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye. I love when people give plants. What a, what a gorgeous admission. I had no interest or, or skills, and now I do. Uh, but Which people is great. Give, people yeah. give people plants who have no interest in them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I just go, well, why did you do that? Yeah, what do I have to do with it now? on that veranda. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. We've had a, a message uh, on the outside line just to remind listeners that the Ballarat Begonia Festival will be on 10th to the 12th of March. So uh, that's another one. If Lots people of stuff feel going like on. Going up Lots, trades fair. So, Lots yeah. of trades fair in, um, in Kyneton. If you haven't been, I think you're probably all pretty hands-on people. I think it's quite a fantastic thing to yeah, go and have amazing. a look at. It's amazing. And um, all sorts of amazing makers from all over the country come. Mm. Everything from um, the fantastic uh, green woodsmith who makes rakes out of, wow. he's going to teach me to do it, but cuts all timber tines and then, you know, splits a, and steam bends a, a lovely, beautiful piece of timber as oh. the handle green timber and, you know, like there's all, all sorts of things. I, I would say get online and get your tickets online though so you don't yeah. have to line up and get there early. Yeah, go early because <laughs> just go early. it's just become... You know, like 20,000 people there last year. Plus, really? Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It's Kyneton, huge. yeah, we won't get a parking town. No, we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit sad. I do love it. I, I, you know, I always slip down a bit early and, yeah. and have a look around. And, you know, this, just for me too, because I love making things, I love yeah. watching people make things. Yes. And um, every year there's something new. And, I, you know, I've bought some beautiful gifts over the year. My nephew is a bow bow shooter and I bought him a beautiful handmade arrow. Oh, and, wow. You know, I bought him, yeah. you know, like it's just there's some, there's some gorgeous things there and, and yeah. some really and every single musical instrument there's a maker of, right? You know, including harps and things like yeah. that. So, but they're know. skills that if we don't support them, they will die out. Yeah, yeah totally. This guy makes right. My 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 my, uh, my friend is a um, he's a hydrologist, and he he was he was having a very good day until he saw the water diviner, and he was like. 
why is that water diviner here? I thought these were actual <laughs> <laughs> sort of, and he very much questioned it. He said, oh, I've seen it happen all around the world. I've seen people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a water diviner mm. to know if I water. So he was a bit upset by that. I must admit he yeah. was, he uh, he's thought, now that's not fair because that's not actually real, but that's from his professional perspective. Yes, you know, right, but, um, fair enough. But it was, uh, yeah, look, it's really good fun, great for kids as well. Mm. So, oh, yeah. yes. And it also coincides with the busiest day we always have of the month, which is the farmer's markets. Oh. Oh, right. yep. Farmer's Market is on. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be huge. Go see Margot at, yeah. at, um, at Gumbo. And, I'm, I'm and a get few a doors up there. from the Farmer's Market, and yeah. they've got another little market on the next corner. So everyone walks between the two markets, and we just get swamped. <laughs> get leave with a big piece of steel, a big sculpture. Rusty steel. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, Margot, yeah. I think that... that Gives us the segue. obvious segue, yes, <laughs> because you have started a new venture. I have started a much easier little venture than running a nursery, which ends up being seven days a week. Yeah. Uh, this is a little shop, and it's outdoors. We've got a little container on site right in the heart of Piper Street, Kyneton, and we sell all sorts of things to do with gardening except plants. Right. Which, you know, I'm sad about in a way, but there's no water on the site, so that sort of settled yes. that. Yes, exactly. Um, we just sell pots and sculptures and garden seats and secondhand furniture and, you know, rusty ob- farm objects and y- you name it. it. It comes and goes, and I've got people bringing artists bringing stuff in. Wow. And, uh, you know, things made out of old uh, horseshoes and nails and railway sleepers. Gosh, it sounds like you could spend hours browsing there, Yeah, Margo. well, it's, it's interesting because with the Garden Tap, the shop, Front, the building was well, just a garage, really. People had to walk through, and we used to talk to everybody as they went through and then out to the nursery. Yep. This one, we've got a little container. It's halfway up the block, and they all walk, and you don't interrupt them. They don't want to be spoken to because their heads are just going from left to right, looking at all <laughs> this stuff, and, and they do the circuit, right. and they walk out, and if they want something, they come into the container with it. So it's, life is a lot simpler. Okay. <laughs> And uh, not answering 50 million questions about, you know, will this plant grow in the shade and blah, blah, blah. Although I do miss that side. But yes. It's very interesting. And I'm, you know, making contact with all the people in town again. Oh, yes, so, that's wonderful. Yeah, really enjoying it. Great. And uh, lesser hours, we open 10 to 4, Thursday to Monday. So it's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. So really enjoying being back in town. And that's something that would strip. really fit into Piper Street. Yeah, yep. Perfect. Well, I had the heritage guy come out when we were planning this. Yes. And he said, oh, you've got to make this site as industrial as possible. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I want to do yeah. anyway. Fine. <laughs> a nice set of gates. I saw that nice set of gates go up and I'm thinking, who's doing uh, that? Of course yeah. it's Margot. Yeah, yeah, of course. Beautifully designed. I mean, I still, you know, the Garden Tappers has not been your nursery for quite a few years yeah. and the garden has changed a lot there. It has. But yeah. there's still some things that you planted and it's funny, every time I see something really good happening, I'm like, that's a Margot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it, but it's true. You, you, you know, there's some plants in that garden that, People wouldn't think to plant. There's no viburnum, viburnum tinus. No. And they've persisted with less sort of attentive, you know, yeah. scaping. Like you were quite, you know, you had a real structure to that garden. Yeah. Um, and I a was a bit of a neat freak. It. Yeah. yeah but, but no longer. <laughs> but a neat freak in an incredibly controlled way. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it's still a testament yeah. to you, that little garden. Yeah. But um, And we planted out in the street, you know, roses and, uh, you know, old-fashioned things. And 
um, Parotia persica, you know, that turned off. Yes. Oh, that's not good because it's so dry. I never get to drink. Yep. It's taken off. Yep. And, uh, you know, leftover sick things that have taken off. And yep. Yeah, yuccas and all sorts okay. of things. So it's an interesting strip. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's great. And, you know, things like that, um, Lassia petalum that yeah. you've used, which is a local plant. Yep. And, you know, really, really elegant. Yeah, nobody really knows lovely what it form. is. No one knows what it is. No. Isn't so, that you know, crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's a mix of natives and, you know, other it's exotic really things. So it just gives people ideas of what you can do. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. But, yeah. Now, just a reminder to listeners, um, if you want to see the plants that Margot's brought in this morning, do go to our Facebook page. Um, simply type in 3CR Gardening Show and uh, up will come all the plants uh, that uh, we're talking about this morning. But the other thing that I need to mention to you, our good friend Liz has also just set up an Instagram page for The Gardening Show. So, again, if you're on Instagram, uh, go to search for the 3CR Gardening Show and simply click follow and uh, all of that will come up for you as well. So we're on Facebook now and Instagram. So uh, thanks to the great work of, of Liz, who's been setting all these up for it's us. It's like so. smell vision You can actually see what we're talking about, which, which takes some of the fun out of radio, I've got to say. Like, a, oh. No, it's not true. But, um, look, I just shot through some things because I didn't get the message uh, last night. That's but, um, fine. I did send through some pictures. And actually, one of the plants I, I, I brought in, I've sent Liz a picture to put up, which is from my travels in Italy, actually, oh, of this oh, plant. So, you know, we find plants in all sorts of places that we want to grow, and I very, very, very often find them in fruit and vegetable markets. And um, I saw this a lot in Italy. And now, this is the one you actually emailed back to Australia and said, does anyone know where I can get it? Well, I put it on the Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I and put, up again. Well, I, I, knew I'd, I knew some people were growing it. it was, yeah, it's, yeah. More of a, it's more of a getting them active, Pam, in the Insta, Instagram. And alerting way. them to a but, great plant. Well, you can, um, you can get seed through... So uh, there's a couple of companies. There's quite a few companies that carry it. Um, and the fun thing about it is it's quite variable from seed. So okay. um, I think over time I'll probably end up saving seed. I've got a lot of brassicas. So it's a br- brassica. Yep. Um, it's a broccoli relative. Some I'm trying to sort of get to the bottom of it. But as people might be aware, brassica... Brassica nomenclature and botany and where they all fit into the big brassica soup is quite tricky sometimes. It is. So brassica it is. soup. So, you know, it's, <laughs> many of them are exactly the same plant. And, I mean, I find them really interesting because when you're talking to someone who's not as, as you know, they're on their way into gardening, to, to say that they're all the same plant, basically, that has been selected, cultivated, chosen, you know, seed saved of. Yep. Gee, that was a really good one, wasn't it? You know, and, and hung on to it. And that's how you've ended up with cauliflowers, broccolis, or kales, all these different um, varieties that are essentially um, the same plant. This one, some people said it was the parent of uh, broccoli rab. I don't know if anyone grows rab, so that's just like a, a leafy, um, multiple stem, quite a bitter, beautiful green, really great directly from seed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really fast and really, if you like those sort of peppery, sort of hotter um, flavours, really good. So um, related to that, and it's called Spigarello. Is, is the name that it's sold under. I was going to, some people would say it's a kale, some people would say it's a sprouting broccoli, but um, you buy it in little bunches. In the markets in Italy, you buy it in little bunches of, you know, almost like you might buy broccolini or something okay. like that, yep. um, of the twisted sort of 
heads, not a, not the flower head, the actual twisted little leaf head. Okay. Um, and you can see it's quite a spindly looking little plant in the pot. We've grown, I've grown quite a few from seed. So, um, and there, there's a bit of variation. Some have got a bigger leaf on them. Um, and it is a twisted plant, but I'm hoping, and from what I've read, that it grows into quite a robust small plant. And then you can just continue to pick the tips and they'll continue to branch and sprout right through the season. So, so you haven't grown one right through? No, this is maturity. the first year. So, oh. um, yeah, exciting, huh? Yeah, very exciting. And the, exciting. the brassica experiments at home are, are, have escalated enormously. So, you know, where, where Margot and I live, not far from each other, it's, it's like the learning of those cold seasons oh, are just The timing huge. of everything. The timing is really hard. And so, you know, here you might be starting to plant, plant your brassicas in the city now. Hmm. No chance. If I was planting tiny little seedlings now, I might get away with a few, but I'm not going to be eating them until spring. Right. Because the breaks just go on. Yep. So you think I've got all this lovely growing weather and then it just gets cold and nothing grows. <laughs> Even the cold loving things don't grow. They just stop in their tracks. They sit there. They just sit in there. Yeah, which is fantastic because you, you do get a good feed in spring, but I get hungry in winter as well. So <laughs> so I actually sowed all the brassica seed literally the day we got back from Europe in, in I think it was about the 1st of November. And I had all of it, well, I had a bed of Brussels sprouts, about three different types of broccoli. I've got some collards, some cauliflowers. I've got a, a full bed of spigarello. Um, all planted out before Christmas. Wow. Okay. I know, which I'm wondering if it's too early because it, we're getting this long, hot season. But what I'm hoping, we're already picking um, Happy Rich, which is a great little broccoli, um, sort of like, a bit, I think it's a type of gylan, but lamb okay. sell it and a few other people sell it. Yep. Um, and it's like a, a sprouting broccoli. So we've been picking beautiful, long, thick stems. But, um, and they're coping be well early. with the sun? With the, they're, the they're fine with the heat. The thing that I've done, um, which, you know, again, it's an investment in infrastructure, but I think in the long term, you know, serious vegetable gardening, and this isn't in the little driveway strip, this is in my serious vegetable garden, <laughs> um, it's, you know, we've netted them. So I've got some fruit fly uh, net yep. um, because I don't want to spray. Yep. The caterpillars are problematic. So we've actually just done hoop, hoop netting, which gives them about 10% shade as well. Um, so kept kept them a bit cooler yeah. um, in in the really really hot weather. Um, but I must admit I was looking at the the Brussels sprouts are starting to look like they're starting to form, and I'm thinking, oh, oh no, oh <laughs> no, it might be too hot. They might be, you know, they need that cold weather. But yeah. you know, I, mem- I remember and Put this an umbrella kind of over them or something for that's it, or a bit of shade cloth. Yeah, yeah. Look, they're they're really big healthy plants, and so you know what I'm aiming for is big healthy plants that as soon as those days get colder, the days get shorter. Then that's they'll be when ready they'll start, to spring to they'll life. start yeah. producing yep. Um, yep. their buds. But it's been, you know, it's been. I'm I am an obsessive vegetable gardener, and that's. I just I love it. I love that really, and and really trying to get timing right in a new climate, and that's also shifting all the time. Is yeah. is to- really really fun, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, so might have gone three weeks early, but we'll see. And um, you know, should be eating. Hopefully, going to be eating spigarello. I think you'll be fine as long as you just keep the water up to them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting year for for veggies. It's a, you know, it as much as we love all plants, I know that a lot of people the things they really want help with and the things they really need to talk about are their veggie gardens. And a lot of people had a lot of trouble with tomatoes this yeah. year. They're yeah, just, an odd year for tomatoes. Yeah. It has been. Well, I, that big November rain, like I think all of our plants because they're at the bottom of the hill, 
actually suffered from that big heavy rain. They stayed, stayed yeah. really wet. Was it? it was three or four days. Of yes, it stayed yes. cool you know, right through it did. November. Yeah. It, it was, did. And yeah. it was weird weather. Yes. Oh yeah. And, totally. And strange. people that planted out, you know, up there, the saying is, plant your veggies, summer veggies, on Cup Day. Well, you know, they did, and then you get a frost, mm. or a few frosts after that. We've had two light frosts already. Wipe those out. So we've start again. We've had two light frosts. Have you had? Yeah, you, yeah sort yeah. of. You know, early February. I mean, frosts. that's amazing. In February is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, they were light, but it, you know, and yeah. on the bottom of the block too. I mean, that's yes. been really interesting watching. And you know, I, f- I felt it last night. I went to put the ch- chickens away, and it was balmy up by the house. And I walked to the bottom of the block, and it, and the temperature dropped Just, like yeah, three plummets. or four degrees as you as you walk down. But um, yeah, look, really, it's been it's been fun and having something completely new. The other thing I'm growing is the walking stick kale. Oh, yeah. All right. Which um, I got the seed from Erica Vale. You get ten seeds for about five bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought, and of those, only three really have, have made it to maturity. But they're going in. But you know, again, a really interesting plant and one that I believe is grown a lot um, for food because it just continues to produce, you know, on a, on a taller, taller, taller growing cane. So how far does it walk, Millie? Well, I don't know. It's pretty cute. <laughs> the the packet, seed packet pictures a child underneath the walking stick kale. Okay. Obviously for scale, but I'm thinking, I don't know, too many kids who need to grow so their own walk, walking sticks. But saying, anyway. It walks up. It, it's not it's, going to no, you, go actually, across the it's ground. A, um, it's it's, it's <clears throat> quite a famous kale that they make walking sticks out of it. Because it forms this fantastic um, hard cane. So, yeah, weird weird brassicas. I mean, you've got to, living in a cold climate, you've got to embrace the brassica season or... uh, you know, we do we do pretty well out of the warm season as well. But um, yeah, totally obsessed with the brassicas. But look, the net has been an investment, not too expensive. It's called VeggieNet. Okay. Um, and there's a number of different places that sell it. You can buy it in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But for keeping the caterpillars off, I use I mean I use old curtains that I get from the op shop for yep. it. Yeah. But I wanted something big enough that I could put over. You know, it's sort of three meters wide, so it goes over quite a tall frame. Yep. So yep. the plants can stay in there. I, I figure in the middle of winter I'll probably be able to take it off yeah. um, when the butterflies nick off but I mean you can see them casing the joint they fly around the outside of this net thinking what the how do I get in there but it feels like quite a good you know investment and on my my driveway garden I'm using it as a bit of a shade and shelter for the tomatoes and capsicums Mm. Um, so you know I just attach it to the fence and and run it down and it's just offering them a little bit of protection on these really really Mm. hot days as well so well now that you've got now that you've got that frame too I mean in in early spring you'll be able to maybe put some clear plastic over it and and have like a little hothouse for raising your seedlings potentially we're still mucking around with the you know it's just the leftover polypipe from my chicken shed roof but absolutely and I mean it's it's interesting I, I filmed um, a really great garden it'll it's going to air I think on Good Friday um, just a local gardener that people might have uh, she might have even been in here Kat Lavers who's um, she's a permi teacher she runs My Smart Garden so it's a program that runs through a few different councils across the west of Melbourne um, which is basically free workshops and information sessions there's yep. a lot of stuff online um, and she's got this tiny little garden in in uh, Northcote, which is you know really really small suburban garden, but she's really introduced in, interested in producing a lot of food. You know that's her thing. She weighs it and measures it. She's gosh, she's, she's gosh. she keeps quail because she can't keep chickens because yep. of the lead contamination, but also the limit of space. So she has a little flock of ten quail, but you know fantastic eggs and really good layers, great yeah, little birds. They're very so, undemanding too. Yeah, oh the yes, they are. The cutest thing you've ever seen is a yeah. quail in a dust bath. <laughs> Because one, they put one in and then the other one walks past and sees it happening and then suddenly there's ten of them in the dust bath. <laughs> it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. But one of the things that I really took away from Kat and, and you know, 
planning with her heart but also with her head and trying to be really strategic about it is her three main garden beds are exactly the same size. Okay. So she can move in her little rotation system. She's got a script for planting, she says. She knows how many tomatoes, what variety, which bed, because she's worked it out over the years. This is the most productive way right. we can run this little garden. So, But what it means is that she can just pick that infrastructure up, move it to the next garden bed, plant out the script and walk away. And, wow. You know, it's just a little simple thing of planning that if you do things or at least you think the way through the way you're going to do things from season to season, that it can save you a lot of time and effort. Yep. Um, so, yeah, finding systems for things that she can She sounds like around. a good CEO of the garden. <laughs> she is the CEO, <laughs> KEO of her garden. A KEO. That's the executive officer. But I could, not, I could not garden to a script, though, no. because I have to try new things all the time, yeah. like you do, Millie. She's always trying new things, but she's, she's just got and the she formula for the it. main three beds. Okay. Go, and then she's got an experimental is, bed. Has is, yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, but this is productivity. She's yep. trying to be productive in a yep. small space. Fair enough. She, she wants to do things that are useful to other people to learn, you know. And it might not be going as far as sticking to a script, but it is thinking through, well, if I'm yeah. going to build three beds, yeah. um, why not, you know, think about how I'm going to use them? Yep. You know, are they going to be just big enough that they can really be divided into six beds? Yes. You yes. know, or, you know, how... How are you going to use them well instead of spending? I mean, I quite love that day that you spend at the start of spring with all the bits of steel you've got and the stakes and whatever, like putting them all together in an interesting looking way in the spot in the garden that you're now going to grow, whatever crop it is. I I quite enjoy that creative process. But equally, I'd probably enjoy just going bang, you know, cucumbers are in and, you know, we're on. So. It's um you know different different strokes for different folks, but sure. um, efficiency and ease of gardening for people who aren't perhaps don't have as much time yeah. aren't quite as obsessed as we are, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. they spend all their time <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the Three CR Gardening Show. Uh, we're running through until nine fifteen. So if you'd like to join us, we'd love to hear from you. The number is nine four one nine zero one double five to speak to the team on air. Or if you'd like to have a chat to Liz on the outside line, 94198377. Margo, let's go to one of the other plants you brought in. Okay. Um, because it's so hot, um, I've brought in some of the succulents and cactus cacti mm-hmm. that um, have done well. Uh, the first one I'll go to is the Spanish dancer uh, yucca, yucca gloriosa. And you can see I've got a little picture there. I've put it on Facebook, the pot. Okay. The hot weather, I don't think it's been kind to the pink. It's got, it's variegated and it's got a pink edge. But the one on the picture in Facebook, you'll see, I don't know why, but I think it's the heat that's made it disappear. It's yeah. just too tough. And so it's one of the yuccas that kind of forms a really nice round rosette as opposed to the poker in the ice. Yeah, I've got yes, some yes, in the yes, ground, yes. but yeah. I've got a few left in pots. And it just, um, I like the yellow. And, and I've, funnily enough, I've chosen to do some colour pots this year, use some annuals oh, just for a bit too. of... Yeah, <laughs> or bring birds and bees and whatever, yeah. but also just um, to relieve the eye of the dead grass, you know. <laughs> it's mental health planting. It is mental health planting. <laughs> and I have been absolutely amazed with... Um, well, I've got a, some pots with uh, yellow sage. Mm-hmm. I'm jumping all over the place, I know, sorry. Yellow sages, um, nasturtiums, grey helichrysum, and this other little one called calibracoa. Now, I'm not a real fan of petunias, oh, my gosh. but this... <laughs> 
Margot, it's like we're the same person. <laughs> yeah. And, and anyway, this calabacara is a relative. You've got to say, the, the leaves are miniature, sorry, the flowers are like little miniature petunias, but yeah. they en masse. And they, it's a, just a ground cover, and I've planted into big old coppers and big pots. Oh, and they just great. spill over the edge with yep. this colour. Really great. And so you're multi-planting all of yeah, those Yeah, all things. in the one plant. So we've got like the yellows of the sage with the nasturtiums with the kind of peachy colours. Yeah, and, and variegated leaves. So we've picked up on the yuccas in the oh, other fantastic. pots. fantastic. And the, and the variegation of the white and yellow in the leaf of the nasturtium, the yellow nasturtium flowers and the yellow thingies and then a bit of grey to relieve that. What's the grey? That's helichrysum. I don't, can't remember the second name, but it's a miniature, like a petiolarum, but a miniature. It's fantastic. So yeah. the calibracoas are good. They, you see them in the nurseries a lot in hanging baskets. Yeah. And, yeah, you yeah. know, there's hot pink and yeah, all that there. sort of stuff. But you've gone well away from the hot pink. You've yes. gone more the rusty sort of apricot orange. Which ties in with the copper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I found, I grew this one, which is calibracoa with the orange. It's a burnt orange. It went right through the frost. This is last year. Wow, oh, that's interesting. In that's good. I just can't believe it. So this is a one one to watch. You can grow them. Uh, mind you, it was a nice big pot, so it was protect. The roots were protected. It's not like out on the ground. It was up above ground level. Yep. But uh, I was just amazed. I gave it a haircut, some compost, and fertilizer in spring. It is taken amazing. off again. I just, it, you know, that's a win. To yes. see how melted things look sometimes. I mean, I had a pot. I've got a big copper, which is similar combination of planting. It's got, you know, beautiful lamandra, grey leaf lamandras in it and yeah. chrysocephalum and a calicarpa in the middle. Yeah. And Same thing. Just yeah. want stuff happening, yeah. you know, colour. And, and blousy. And you feed, the liquid feed them. And, you and know, natives mixed yeah. with annuals, mixed with yeah. shrubs, mixed yeah, with, with flowers, herbs mixed with food. Yeah, it's a bit like of rocket. Bang it all in there, right? And Something as long as it's lush, it's, it's just so relieving, isn't it? It's it's so good. It froze solid. The soil, yeah. like you know, when it's oh. you sort of made it like a rock. You're like, oh, I don't know yeah. how you're gonna go. No, it but it comes back. Yeah, yeah, it does come back. And I've also got some pots of geranium. You know, the red geranium, big red. Oh, oh yes, good plant. And I've nursed those through two winters now. So it's my wow. third season. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you just repot in spring. Yep. You put them undercover for the winter. Yeah. Yep. around it. And then you repot them with all new goodies, and they take off again. Mm. So you know, pot plants—they just react to the, what you give them. Mm. And I reckon it's funny that you say. I don't know what the thing is about petunias because I love all the nicotianas. Yes, they're like grow, I grow, you know, annual yeah. nicotianas in pots, dark red ones, limey green ones. I grow the native nicotiana suave olens on my front doorstep. Fantastic plant. I quite like this calibracoa, but I'm the same. I cannot come at petunias. Yeah, no. I look at them, and I I don't know if it's just too long in the nursery trade, where all you're doing is lifting (laughs) trays of petunias. And and deadheading. (laughs) But no, I'm with you. Pots of colour. And, you know, last year I set myself a little food-growing rule, like the one in ten. So every ten food plants I got to put in a flower, okay. you know, so it's just to, to yeah. remind me to be to be into yeah. planting. It came from, like, the lettuce, organic lettuce producers planting, interplanting 10% of their crop to lettuce, okay. uh, to alyssum. Yep. And, you know, that brings yep. down the need to spray by just a huge amount because of the presence of hoverflies yep. and, you yep. know, all that sort of stuff. But it's, I, sometimes I get a bit, I, I forget, and so that I have to do a, a nice planting. So I've got yep. chocolate cosmos this year in a yes. mop bucket, you know, nasturtiums as well. Yep. I grow a few particular cultivars that I like of those. And, and those you know, bright yellow ones, they're not marigolds, are they? Marigolds, yeah. That bright yellow and orange in amongst tomatoes. Yeah, fantastic. You know, also those in this mix, so they, they 
shine out those the, yellows. The other one that's seeded beautifully for me in my garden over the years, but not too much, is the Cosmos Sulfurious oh, yeah. Bright Eyes, which Yates oh, right. started yes, as yes. Bright Eyes, but it's a beautiful flaming orange Cosmos. It's fantastic for bringing in a lot of beneficial insects. Lovely little feathery squat plant. I believe it's even edible, the foliage of it, but I haven't um, because I want the flowers. But a fantastic, really, really bright, vibrant orange, really clear colour. And, yeah, just a fantastic little annual. Yeah, flowers, I, I remember having this argument with a seedling grower a few years ago. I'm going, flowers are back. But the thing he said, he said, we can't grow them because people won't because they won't grow any of the tall ones right. anymore because garden beds are smaller. Yep. And so it's always got to be these yeah. squat little annuals, whereas I'm like digging through seed catalogues looking for big blousy cleomies and, yeah. and yep. all yep. of that stuff. But, yeah, I think flowers are going to make a really big comeback in the next couple of years. Well, up our way too, there I know of two, and there's probably more people doing a slow flower movement. Mm. Okay. And they're growing flowers for the local market. Right. Yeah. Because one of the things, my daughter's become a florist, and I've had to warn her, uh, she was unaware, but um, a lot of the flowers that are flown in, you know, that you see mm. cut flowers for sale, apparently Wear gloves. some, no, yeah, and and breathing apparatus because apparently some of the growers over there before they put them on the plane, even they're cut, they're they're ready packaged to go, they spray them with a weak solution of Roundup. Oh, so in order that when they get here, people can't cut the flowers off and use the sticks, the stems, as cuttings and then grow them on. Ah. That's their purpose. Wow. So because, you know, it'll Goodness. take two weeks to show the death, yes. the slow death, the flower's finished by then. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that's their way of ensuring that we're not going to grow their stock. Well, but also oh. there's biocontrols. I'm not sure if it's all methyl bromided now, but, I, I mean, I, I, th- I saw that in... On Valentine's Day, I saw those red roses at, at Flinders Street for sale. I thought, God, I wouldn't smell yeah, that rose no. if you paid me to. No, <laughs> no, but, but, uh, but, yeah, I've heard of a lot of florists <laughs> getting derm- dermatitis. Yeah. Lots of problems with their hands yeah. because yeah. of touching flowers. So, yeah, slow flowers and locally grown flowers. Locally grown. Locally. Yes. Buy the thing with an insect on it yep. and, yep. you know, with a chewed leaf that's come out of a field. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what my daughter beauty. wants to do, move up real to Martin and grow flat, seasonal flowers. Perfect. Yep. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we must go to our good friend Graham Morrison. Good morning, uh, Graham. Hello, Graham. Good, good, good morning, Pam. How are you? We're all Pam, well. Pam, 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 I was just going to say this, what a joy it is to listen to three beautiful, articulate girls ah. on, on, on the radio. Oh, thank you, Graham. You, you, you come across them, you know, listening to you, uh, I get the come to the conclusion that us males come in second. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> the other thing that came into my mind is that uh, you advertised a horticultural, uh, uh, what is it, horticultural for women bus tour. Yes. And uh, I wouldn't mind going on that. Do you think they put up the police <laughs> the Oh, Graham, don't go down this road. As long as you wear a dress. <laughs> you don't really want to be told, do you? <laughs> Graham, I'm sure you would be welcome because I know they also welcome partners, so oh, I don't think oh, there'd be a problem. Oh, oh, there, there you go. I remember being overseas in a botanical tour. There was a majority of girls there and I was sitting on a, t- on a table. There was eight, eight of us on. I was, I was the only male, you know. And I uh, bet you had a good time too. Yeah, well, that's what I had my most time. Yeah. Just, just getting on to the, the, the lady with her problem with the, uh, with the, with the, with the pe- peach tree there. Yes. Mm. One, one way to pick, pick, pick whether it's oriental peach moth or not is, is, is to have, have a look at the tips of the, 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 uh, the actual plant. The growing tips, I think in New South Wales that oriental peach moth is called tip moth. The, the, 
the reason being that they get into the tips of the growing, growing part of the tree. Oh. And uh, in, indeed, you know, I've got, uh, you know, paranoid about uh, peach trees. I've got 20, 24 different varieties of peach trees in the garden now. Impressive. And, and uh, I, I, as soon as I see one of the tips just with a little bit of brown leaf on the top, I immediately cut that off and, and, and destroy it. Okay. Uh, and, and that's one, one way of keeping that uh, tip moth or, or oriental peach moth uh, 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 under control. Oh, great and idea. Just, just thought there's another tip I could... Yes. Absolutely. Fantastic, Graham. Loving your program. Okay, good on you. (laughs) Bye. Okay, next up we have uh, Claire out in Merrick's North. Good morning, Claire. Oh, good morning, everyone. Um, look, I have, we've got a very large asparagus bed, um, and uh, we did the right things this year. We, we didn't um, pick it after December, and it, it, it went to seed, and um, when it had gone brown, I cut it off. And, and, uh, and now I've, um, I've got more um, asparagus coming up, and uh, I put some sheet manure on it, um, but it's all coming up again. I'm not sure quite what to do with it. A lot of it's very thin. Some yep. aren't, they look quite ordinary looking asparagus. Hmm. Well, I let it go back to seed. Just let it again. Yeah. Yes. Wait for it to go brown again. Or I, I would or say it, might, it sounds like it might have dried off um, a bit early because it should still be green and, and oh, growing in a lot of, oh. yeah. So it might have, might have dried out a little bit. But yeah, I just, just give it a, you know, good deep soak and um, you might soak. even, yeah, the sheet manure is perfect. Nice, nice deep mulch and, um, yeah, just keep it happy and healthy and let it grow. I mean, it's just when the asparagus spears become leaves, they're just photosynthesizing and, you know, actually doing what the plant needs to do. So perfectly fine if it if it's growing away again. Um, and, some and fresh ones to let it grow. It to, to let it go really yeah, brown. Just I let them die die right down and then you can yeah, cut them yeah. off. Well, I don't think maybe I did it a bit early because it's a very big bed and it was getting weedy and I thought, oh, I'll mm. better do it now. But it's, I did it's it. very right, tough. Thanks. Yeah. Look, thank you very much for your help. Okay, then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Now, uh, uh, back to pot plants. Succulents. Uh, yeah, succulents. Now, I thought, you know, I've got a bed at home called the Arizona bed. Someone named it for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and it's right out in the middle of the, you know, paddock and we, you know, driveway around it. Never gets watered, and so I've been tri- trialling all sorts of succulents and uh, cacti to see what will take the heat yep. and the wind. Oh, right. So the wi- and kangaroos and rabbits and, yep. you know, all of that. You sort name of it. What about the frost? And frost. Frost is a big one because mm. um, at one stage I thought I had this bed nailed. I'd planted seven Fucrea bedding houses, mm. and they were big. They were huge. They had great big fat things, and I thought, oh, they're magnificent. And, yeah, and then we had some other tall sort of fastidious plants, conifers and things, and a hedge of holly, which is uh, a sterile one. Don't worry. It's not going to get into the bush. But anyway, I had this bed, and I thought, oh, I've, I've nailed it. It looks great. And then the following winter, we got a whole week of frost right. culminating in a minus eight. <sighs> and I remember that, that one. Yeah. And that cooked the centre of those vicreas. Yes. And the following spring, up came in every single one of them this massive flower stalk. It was just... <laughs> Fabulous to see. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is like exciting. And then I read about them, and that means that the plant's going to die. Of course so. it does, yes. Fantastic, that, though. Yeah, it, it, was a, it made a fantastic show. But anyway, we've been trialling all sorts of things, including um, aeoniums. 
Um, and aeoliums don't make it through the frost here. Yeah. Mm. So um, I've now got them in pots, the few that I grow. And this one that I've brought in today, I like because it's a different colour. A lot of people will know that really dark red one called Schwarzkopf. Yep. Which is sort of bronzy, red, dark, dark, winey red. This one is still in that red vein, but it's a smoky, browny red. Mm. And it's very subtle. And what I like about this plant is that it grows in a compact form. Mm. It makes mm. lots of heads close to the stem. Whereas the others, you know, if you let them get away, they form big, long, strangly stems. There's another one called Velour that does a similar thing, a little bit darker foliage, like yeah. a shrubby form as opposed to the upright stems. Yeah, well, it, it could be. I'm only mm. guessing this mm. one called Garnet because I don't have the name of it. I just yeah. got a cutting from someone. Huh. Um, and it's, believe it or not, I've learned that they're summer dormant. Because they protect themselves from that hot sun okay. by sort of closing over, much like a, mm. a cabbage, yes. you know, leaves. And then when it's conditions they like, they open right out again mm. and grow. Okay. So they often look very spindly in, in summer. They, they, yeah. they sort of shrink right away and, yeah, as you say, they close up the tip. So they... Yeah. Um, the, the little rosette, it's yep. a little rosette of foliage. So this is open because it, it actually quite likes the shade. So it's tucked in on the veranda. I've got mm. it in a few pots. Mm-hmm. And I just like that colour. It's, it's, oh, I have it's put lovely. that on the website. And yep. um, mm. anyone lovely. want a cutting today, they can have them. <laughs> I remember um, um, Attila Capitani saying to me, we were talking about Aeonium specifically about that. Um, he says people think all succulents love the heat, yeah. yes. but they're not. They're just adapted to low water conditions. And in, in fact, aeoniums, many of the aeoniums do quite well in, in sort of part shade. Mm. Yeah. And also yeah. they do, they shut, shut up shop when it's... They do, and they grow in spring and su- in autumn, yes. but yes. not in the summer. Yes. yes. A, lot yeah. of, a lot of the most tolerant, I mean, I would say the same thing about things like Arctotus daisy. You know, people think that's going to look gorgeous in summer, but it never looks gorgeous in summer. It looks gorgeous in spring and autumn. Yeah. You know, those shoulder seasons are the ones where, they actually thrive. Mm. Yeah, where it's and not too extreme. Yeah, they'll survive yeah. it, but yeah. they won't look gorgeous in yeah. it. So that's a, a whole different category. Yes. Mm. And, and I've brought in another little one. I've only got it just starting to grow. And it is Aeonium kiwi. Okay. And this is multicoloured and it's got bright red uh, on the edge of a green rosette. Mm. And they get a little bit of yellow in the centre as well. But again, I've got that in the shade, so I think if, you know, in spring and summer, we'll have more of the yellow colours. That's a really fantastic, really architectural rosette, that one. Yeah, just, isn't it? just beautiful. Um, and that, that's not hard to grow either, but again, you know, for the, it just brightens up the, the patio areas. And, and absolutely. And the thing we never talk about with succulents, but they all do it, is they flower. And this, the yellow flowers that Aeoniums produce are full of nectar. Yeah, like the you bees just can't keep it. the bees off them when no. they're in flower and, and often en masse. Yeah. Um, just really great group of plants. Yeah, well, th- and the sedums. I've got well, probably mm. a dozen varieties of sedums. Mm. They just perform in this heat. Mm. Well, everybody's done. You know, the autumn joy is the most commonly oh, yes, grown, but yes. I've got lots of little ground covers in greys and greens and dark reds. And I drive through past the Arizona bed now and it's just <laughs> past Arizona yeah, I think just Arizona. say Arizona and Arizona <laughs> and it's just as against that dark green hedge of the holly I've got these beautiful dusty pinks and all different hues coming up with the sedums fantastic yes. and, some, and I've got some miscanthus which are flowering yeah so that and beautiful it, instead of those for crayers which I was very upset about losing <laughs> Seen them flower. They yeah, would well, have been they spectacular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mass kill, but mass yeah. flower is gone. I've got <laughs> little babies. Great. I've got babies growing. But um, 
Yeah, so it's just, it's heaven. I might I'll send Liz a picture to put on Facebook I'll since we've that. been talking yeah. about it. Oh, yes. But yes, it's, um, it's just a joy to watch it all changing. And, you know, the rose beds and whatever, they, they look terrible, but this Arizona looks great. So, <laughs> Arizona. you know, it's just that thing you've got to sort of plan and plant for all seasons and all contingencies. So that's that you've got right. something of interest and throughout the year. That series of frosts. And I, I was there for that one. I yeah. mean, it was, I think there was a minus five, a minus yeah. five, a oh. minus It was just, you can't, you know, when it's getting to the point where there's, yeah, you can't can't get through that. We no. call the Sedums at home, the Sedum Autumn Joy BTV. Because I just end up standing there staring at them, you know, watching the bees come and go. <laughs> oh, bee TV. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just sit and watch them. Yeah. I, the, the, one of the plants that I grabbed this morning, and, you know, you can see I didn't do a, a great job, um, didn't have any secretaries in my hand, but, again, just looking at foliage colour and yeah. a, ability to withstand the frost. So, for me, like, I'm just constantly learning and trying things. And I think, too, the thing with the frost that I'm really learning is... It's it's also certain plants will will cope, but it's also about that timing of planting. So a small or a younger plant that you put in the ground, you need to look after it potentially for its first little you know few seasons before yeah. you would actually say it's frost hardy. But this is a little native um, pimelia. This is a pimelia that's actually endemic to Tassie. It's pimelia nivea. And it is just the most beautiful thing. So my fences are that, that dark colour. Um, and it is a pimelia. They call it the round leaf pimelia. Um, got a lovely large round leaf on it, larger than most. So the pimelias being the little rice flowers. So there's all sorts of tiny, there's a tiny little rice flower that occurs in the bush around us that's probably only five centimetres high by the time it does its thing. And, you know, <laughs> the, the flowers are, are tiny. But this is quite a lovely, robust plant. It's got a beautiful sort of emerald green leaf, but the underside is a beautiful grey sort of fairy mm, almost white. colour. It's yes, very it is, white. It? And then the flower can be anywhere from white to sort of a light pink. And okay. Pimelia rice flower, they're a lovely little long sort of tubular flower produced in clusters um, and, you know, really good for a lot of the nectar, nectar feeding animals, things like the hoverflies will come in for these. But it's just been such a lovely plant as a foliage colour in against that dark um, sort of wall colour. But also, like, it's in a, quite a bit of shade. Um, and the other thing about it is it's just a really lovely shape. So sometimes I'm looking for things often that'll form a lovely sort of mounded shape, um, you know, relatively naturally with a little bit of tip pruning. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's a really gorgeous plant. And, again, it's, a, it's one that's endemic to Tassie. But, you know, to me, I, I, I try quite a few Tassie plants at home because... Yeah. I think that sort of cold, the dry is a different situation, but that cold, yeah, that cold, yes, with the cold uh, yeah. is, yeah. is the thing I'm interested in. And it you know, occurs in forests. It's, it can be a spindly thing, but um, as you can see, this is, this is sort of growing in morning sun um, and, and has produced a really lovely plant, very beautiful in flower. And, um, yeah, just really impressed with it. So um, Pimelia nivea is that one, and um, it's pretty widely available, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. in the trade and, and just a really lovely foliage plant, mm. but also great with the flowers in springtime. But um, I'm growing it for the foliage yeah. and yep. for that light colour. And I just found, you know, you're talking about the be autumn being the best time to plant for most people, but for us with the frost... We've put plants in natives, plants, really tough things, corries mm. and things that have done well in other beds, and they've just gone if we planted too frost. late in that first winter. Yep. So if you can plant in early autumn if you've got some rain and moisture, mm, mm. but um, we just found sort of early spring yep. is probably better. It is, um, yeah, it's a total, total uh, shift yeah. in, in so people's... You've just got to be careful and think... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I think. <laughs> <laughs> and nurse them through the first summer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. But anyway, um, it's, there's nothing wrong with killing plants. That's no. how you learn. Exactly. You know, it's the only way. To, I it spoke is. to a fantastic garden designer who I met in New Zealand, but he's uh, he's a Kiwi, but he works in Australia. And I was talking to him the other day about this great garden he's designed in Sydney, and he said, "I mean, I think it's you know you've got to be honest with people. You know, you can only do what I do if you've killed a lot of plants." <laughs> <laughs> and he admitted, <laughs> "I think that's wonderful." <laughs> Now, Margot, yep. uh, listeners want to know the name of your shop and the address in okay. Piper Street. It's got a very silly name, It's called, but you'll remember it. It's Gumbo, G-U-M-B-O, right. spicy bits for your garden. So ah. gumbo is a South American um, stew yes. with, you know, with a million with different spices and ingredients, whatever you can find. Yep. And I thought, well, that gives me licence to sell whatever <laughs> I like. I love it, Margot. That's so, great. So it's got lots of different outdoor pieces. And it's called Gumbo. It's at 27 Piper Street in Kyneton. And it's the main shopping drag right in the middle of town. And if you can't remember, it's almost opposite the Royal George Hotel. If you need a bit of a... Which has reopened. Yes, yes. New, good. new menu, all, all happening. Yeah, it's all happening. It's all for the locals. Yeah, group. just come to the farmer's market. Go see Margot. Yeah, we're right in the middle. Go to the, I'll, I'll give my friend's bookshop a plug. Best kids bookshop in... Yeah, in mini, Squishy Mini. Squishy Mini, Fantastic great. kids bookshop. That's, and it's, they, a, it's a bookshop um, for kids, not a kids bookshop, yeah. they say. Yeah, okay. It's a lovely they, big space. There's a chessboard. The kids can spend some time. And they read to the kids. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And bookshop. there's, you know... Yep. Play areas and yeah, they welcome mums. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. There's a lot <laughs> happening in kind. A lot of young families moving in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that leads me, Pam, if you've got yeah. time. Go um, that the, the young people coming up, they've got no idea how what they're going to face with trying to start a garden in Kyneton or rejuvenate one. And mm. I've uh, been on the committee now for a year and a bit of the local Kyneton Horticultural Society. And when I got there with a friend, Nicholas Scott, who's our president, um, it was about to collapse. Okay. And one of the really old, sorry, one of the older members. <laughs> the long, long-term long-term term members. members is just loves the garden garden club. She didn't want to see it fold, so she had the brainwave to put the ad in the local paper. We need people to come to the garden club, and that's when Nicholas and I went. And we got on the committee, and uh, we've gone now from 12 members to over 80. Wow. And it's growing every That every is fantastic. Month. I'm going to yeah, come. Who's your speaker tomorrow? Is it tomorrow night, Monday yep. night? We've got Simon Griffiths and Christine Reid talking great. about their new books. Oh, great. Coming, yes. I want to have a chat about upcoming. So cool. we'll talk about that But because yep. I think that's a sold-out <clears throat> event. But... Um, you have an autumn flower show coming up too in April. Yes, first weekend in April. Yeah. If you don't live locally, you can come up to the flower show. Yeah, and we've grown. We've got about 500 plants we're growing now. We've got a growing friends group just started right. in the club, and uh, so they'll be for sale at cheap prices. And um, Do you have a giant vegetable section? Because I'm growing something that I we think We don't have I any might. vegetable section, so yet. <laughs> There you go. Start one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's just time for me. But uh, no, we've got uh, access to the Wood End Depot because we've joined forces with the Friends of the Botanic Gardens group now. Okay, that makes so, sense. Yes, yeah, so the council depot where they have all the, you know the works for big things. They've got a growing area there, and they said for the Friends groups. Come and use our little propagation area. Fantastic. And we thought it'll be just you know a couple of benches. Well, it's got everything. And That's they fantastic. said, let us know what you need. <laughs> so p- pots, potting mix, you know, it's just fantastic. Benches, watering, automatic system water for the watering. And 
So all we've had to supply are sort of garden benches and you know, our own tables. Yep. And uh, we've got a little band started there and the, the enthusiasm is amazing. That's, That's fantastic. And one more plug for the place before. So that, that is amazing and the amount of people and the amount of knowledge that's in that little group must be quite extraordinary. But the other thing that you can do if you come up is go to the playground. Andrew Laidlaw designed, which is next to the Botanic Garden. Community yes. Park. The yep. Community Park, which is just the most tremendous fun. There's water play. Little buttons kids can press and saturate their siblings. <laughs> um, there's a ping pong table. You know, there's tractor oh, wow. tables. There's tractors. You know, it's just a ma- magnificent place. And there's a lot of stuff yep. happening at the Botanic Gardens yep. there too. They've removed the old... Um, Caravan Park, yes, thank goodness. Warden's House, so that's you know, and yeah. and the growing friends. I don't know whether they're allowed to actively work within that. Well, we just yet, started. We, we lobbled yeah because they were scared. It was I don't know the yeah. reason, but anyway, we've now had two working bees, cleaning up areas and yep. you know doing some under sort of vague supervision, but yep. um, yeah, so it's growing. The whole interesting gardening is really being rejuvenated there, and yeah. you know. Keeping me busy, I can tell you. <laughs> you keep saying you're going to retire, but I love it. Oh, I know. And then I'm involved in that. <laughs> and so, yeah, we've got um, bags of potting mix in, in the shop, the gumbo. And for the, anyone who wants to propagate from home, they come in, they can get a bag of free potting mix right. to take home, and then the rest is sort of like half price or something. So yeah, yeah. Just to encourage them. You is know. that for the, for the society? For the, or yes, the society and the Friends of the Botanic Garden members. So Fantastic. You, yeah, so you can just Brilliant. come in and pick up your potting mix. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, we save and recycle old pots and... Yeah, so it's really taken off. So, yeah, the, our um, autumn show is on the 6th and 7th of April. Okay. Yeah, so come up to Kyneton. No, I mean, is there a giant vegetable section I can enter in that? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I thought I'm growing you meant, something. Growing, growing yeah. something. I've just got to nurse it through to, oh, to, yeah. that, to yeah. the end of April. I'm, I'm entering. Yeah. And, and last year, the woman who won the best veggie was amazing. She'd just eaten cantaloupe and put the, you know, in the compost. Yeah. And the next year, she had cantaloupe. Growing. She didn't know what it was. So she entered it. She entered it, and honestly, it was as big as Queensland ones for Kyneton. So of <laughs> course, it won, it won first prize. It was perfect, and everyone just could not believe you could grow a cantaloupe in Kyneton. It's so good. Good heavens, that's great. Um, very quickly, uh, Susie's rung in to remind me that Musk Farm Garden is opening next weekend, the 9th and 10th of March, uh, 10 o'clock through to 4:30 both days. Um, for $10, you can do a self-guided tour. Uh, now, to get there, you can get the tourist train from Dalesford, which stops at Musk, or there is also a shuttle bus from the visitor centre in Dalesford to the garden, which runs every half hour, because I don't think you can take cars into actually Musk Farm. Uh, if you go to the Musk Farm website, which is muskfarm.com, uh, the market is mentioned, but not the self-guided tour. So there is a self-guided tour as well as a market there on site. So that's next weekend uh, for Musk Farm. Now, uh, we've got a couple of callers we really must get to. First up, we have Jill Bryant. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Pam. Hi, Margot. Hello. Um, yes, so last week I rang in about the Herb Society meeting, but of course I was getting my Thursdays mixed up. All right. So, so this Thursday evening, uh, 7.15 on, um, Anne-Marie Mandis is coming from Waratina Lavender Farm, and she's going to bring some plants and some of her products and, and do a fabulous presentation on lavenders. Great. So that, And then we have supper. 
Oh, we always have a raffle, usually of a book and, and an appropriate plant. So that's fun. And members bring a bit of supper, herbal supper. And we're a very friendly group, about 40 people. And visitors are very welcome. And uh, it's $5 for visitors. But then you have a lovely lot of things, don't you? You know, the talk, um, the presentation, the plants, the raffle and supper. And lots of friendly advice on plants and free cuttings. You know, everybody takes the things that they're pruning off. And, of course, it's pelagonium geranium time now. Right. There'll be lots of nice little snippets to take home. Yep. Excellent. Thanks, Pam. Okay, Jill. Bye. Bye. And uh, next we're going to our good friend, John Bentley. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning, everyone. How are you? We're well. That's good. Um, I just want to um, know that we're le- learning quite a lot at the Friends of the Milton Botanic Gardens for our plantings, but things you're talking about, plants that tolerate hot, dry um, and frost, we've um, planted a Californian, Central and South American garden bed okay. in May and June last year. Right. So it went through the frost, so we know what sort of plants don't survive that. And then it's gone through a fairly hot summer with hot exposed winds and things, and we're watering um, on average about once every three weeks, hand watering. Mm-hmm. So people can come out and see this new garden bed. It's only about 25 metres by 25 metres as a large triangle, um, and that's near the depot and near our plant nursery. But we've done things like agaves, um, echeveras, escalonias, the jacarandas doing well, that, and that got um, new leaves and then got hit with that late frost oh. we had. Um, and then it sprung out again. So it's, it's taking off really well. Brilliant. And uh, salvias and uh, Targetis lemonized doing really well. And that's got a great smell and mm. flowers for much of the year, the Mexican marigold. Yes. But it's, yeah, there's, um, it's just new for us and it's quite exciting planting something that. Um, is outside of uh, what we've had a lot of experience with. And we got from Stephen Ryan the anchor plant, and that seems to be tough as anything. And it's got little leaves that look like anchors, and it's super prickly. So Stephen usually says it's one you plant under your window to keep the burglars out. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But if people want to see that, um, book in for a guided tour or just come out to the Melton Botanic Garden. It's open all the time, and... Um, we don't sell these plants in our nursery, but we can let people know where to get them from. What's but the address the, there? Um, it's, the nursery is 21 Williams Street, Melton. Great, thank you. And can I just say something? I've got another hat. I'm Vice President of the Australian Association of Friends of Botanic Gardens. Right. And this year we've got something exciting happening to promote the association and all friends groups that are our members. Uh, we've got a marquee at the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show, oh, and we're site okay. B60. Mm, excellent. Will you be selling plants, John? We're, no, we're not selling plants, but we're just promoting um, uh, gardens that are participating, the friends groups that have said uh, they'd like to come along or send us brochures, and uh, we're letting, letting them know the sorts of things they can do when they go and visit areas or even about the area they're in. Yep, great right. idea. Okay. Okay. Good on you, John. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
And uh, incidentally, uh, that message we had about the Ballarat Begonia Festival, it's actually running uh, the 9th to the 11th of March. We, uh, we earlier thought it was 10th to the 12th, but it's 9th till the 11th of March. That's if you want to go up and have a look at all the begonias. Long weekend. Yes, yes, <coughs> it certainly is. Okay, we're going next to Patricia out in Blackburn. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm ringing about a lemon tree, which is a quite flourishing sort of a lemon tree. has lots of lemons on and looks very healthy, but the lemons uh, uh, have very thin skins, and uh, if you squeeze them, it just all collapses, and it's very uh, distressing. Cooked on the tree, I think. Mm. Maybe. Is what, it, have, you, have you had it for many years? Have you seen it fruit yes, normally? It's always been like this. It's oh. probably seven or eight years old, mm. and it's a good-looking tree, but it's very disappointing. Mm. This is the first time that's happened, though. Is that no, right? it's happened every oh. year. Every year. Oh. Yes. It's in a shady sort of spot. My husband thinks it could be it's too shady, but uh, I wonder is there anything can be done about it. Do you know what variety it was reputed to be? It was a Maya. Maya. Yeah, they yeah. have thinner skin, don't yeah. they? Yeah. It, it sounds like it's typical. And when you said it collapses, does that mean there's no like structure to the fruit? Or it well, is it's just a thin skin? Mushy. Mushy fruit. Yes, it's a thin skin fruit and it just um, it's hard to squeeze juice from it. It has mm. a lot of seeds in it. Ah. Where's Graham when you need him? <laughs> I would say, you know, it sounds like it could just be a Maya lemon, but maybe, you know, again, general care. So if a, if a tree is really dry, the fruit can be quite dry. No, um, I, no, it's not that it's dry. It's the opposite. Quite, mm. It's quite damp, but it just doesn't squeeze juice out easily. Mm. I, I'm not entirely sure. It could be a nutritional thing. Um, it could be a really dud variety. I it could just be a dud tree. I suspect yeah. it's the variety. Yeah. If it's eight, to be honest. eight years, you, yeah. I'd be thinking of, you know, replacing it. Plant a new one in a sunny spot. I didn't know how to say that kindly. It's not you. It's the tree. This seems such a good tree. Uh, <laughs> it looks <laughs> nice, but it's not producing what you want. Mm. No. And it, it, it would probably be uh, would benefit from being in a more sunny position mm. too. Mm. I would mm. say just make sure you've got really good drainage. Yes, I think it has all those things, but, mm. uh, but anyway, yeah. I just thought there might be a quick answer. But no, I, I think, unfortunately, really. if it's always <laughs> been like that, it's, it's not going to change. Yeah. No. No, well, thank you very much. Might okay, then. Good. Bye. Might Bye. make a good marmalade. Yeah. You can always do something with something. Oh, you? you can. But Pam, I've just, on the website, the Facebook page, sure. I have put one more picture. People might be wondering what it was. And okay. It's, I just, it's a San Pedro cactus, Echinopsis. Pachinoi, I think it is, Echinopsis Pachinoi, San Pedro cactus, and it's got a beautiful white flower. Now, I've been waiting for years for this thing to flower, <laughs> and it's done it. Um, and so I've shown one of the flower face on, and then one of the back of it, so you can actually see the plant okay. itself, and it's just fantastic. Yeah. It's a very smooth, upright cactus, Yes, and um, it's still in a pot, but I'm going to plant it out in Arizona, because right. it will take the frost. Yep. So I've been trialling it in the pot. 
out of, you know, in the frost. Yes, yes, so yes. it's going in that bed. We filmed a, um, uh, it hasn't been to air yet. We'll put it to air in winter, but a fantastic cactus grower up near Dubbo. And um, obviously they don't suffer the same sorts of frosts, but still he gets them. And he puts little, um, he just puts plastic pots as hats oh. on a lot of his columnar t- cactus that are quite susceptible because it's that growing tip. If that growing tip goes, yes. then often then it goes just the whole yeah, thing, the whole thing rots down. Yeah, but it's so yeah. funny, all these, all these amazing cacti with uh, plant pot hats on. <laughs> <laughs> it would be rather strange. And I don't know if there's time, but uh, the other thing people could watch out for, and I didn't take a photo, is uh, yucca whiplay, blue as blue. It is the most magnificent thing. It took, I mean, they're worth hundreds of dollars now because they're big in my garden in right. Arizona, and they are so good. They, they whistle in the wind. When I bought got hold of them. I had to buy these three plants from three different growers. Okay. And they're specialist people because they're so rare. And they didn't want to let me have them. But oh, and You they persuaded. Said, yeah, <laughs> persuaded them gently. Twist your arm. And uh, they said, don't even water them. Put, put them in. Treat them like, you know, really, really mean and just plant them. Don't water them. Don't feed them. Don't do anything. And take, watch them take off. And they are just so good. Wow. Yeah, they're really uh, bluey grey green and they shimmer. And they'll cope with anything so yeah yucca we play blue as blue and there's a green variety as well and i think the only place you'll get them is um uh, Your house. No. <laughs> <laughs> thank you millie uh no the one in in lara rorema oh i think he uh, might have some little ones but okay i can't even see Call how before you oh no just go yeah just go i don't even know how you propagate this to be honest and i think they're super rare yep beautiful well, it'd be worth a trip down there anyway. Oh, it's a fascinating place. Total. Yes, and these display yes. gardens are open now. Yes, yes. You know? But wear, wear long boots because there's snakes. <laughs> He's got all these mounds and they're just planted out with thousands and thousands of cactus. Just go. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Go and see a garden that will blow your mind. Yep. yep. Leave your wallet in the car. No. <laughs> no, no, Take it no, in. No. Take it in. <laughs> Very quickly, we're going to go to Alex out in Beaconsfield. Good morning, Alex. Good day, Pam. And very quickly from me, I reckon that this might be a new record because it took till the 3rd of March before you got a lemon question. Ah! <laughs> You've been keeping count. <laughs> uh, with Mifkus coming up, yep. uh, I think the Cranbourne friends are nearly as good as the Melton friends. <laughs> All right. I'm sure but they are. For, for the first time ever... They're, the Cranbourne friends are going to have a display at Mifkus as well. Oh, are you? So that's something. There'll Terrific. be a lot of like-minded people there, I think. Okay. So we'll all enjoy that, I think. So I guess you've been roped in to help manage, manage the stall, have you? Uh, not quite, but we will turn up there. Yes, fair enough. I'm too old to worry about the organisation now. So. <laughs> good on you. Okay. Oh, Thanks, Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Thanks for that, Alex. Bye. Bye. It's good to see more and more community presence at yeah, Mifkus. Absolutely. I, uh, I feel like, you know, I don't even want to get started, but no. I feel like a little community alley would be good. Yep. Where they offer some free space for people mm. <laughs> who aren't making a buck that are, you know, contributing to the yep. to the industry. Yeah, no, it'd be good. Be there's good. always a there's always a few around, but it'd be great to have more. a real presence yep. for you know, here's all of these organisations that do yep. different things. Um, uh, you know, within horticulture and gardening. Yep. Um, for good reasons. Very quickly, a listener's rung in wanting to know the name of the orange cosmos that you mentioned. Oh, it's cosmos, I think it's cosmos sulfurous, as in sulfur. Yep. Um, but I started out with one packet of seed from Yates, which is called Bright Eyes. Bright and Eyes. The re- reason I remember it is I think that they, 
donate from the sale of that particular variety they to, do um, I want to say macular degenerate into it, research it's into research into yes. yeah um, into something um, well look, it's all about eye care yeah, yeah. but um, so I started out with one packet of seeds and I've been saving them and you know get a little bit of variation in it sometimes a pale yellow and um, but look they're really good from seed I made seed bombs out of it a few years ago okay um, and then just because we were going away just dropped them all through the garden and then um, I find that quite a good way of doing things like rockets and those yes, sorts of things yes. because you just can chuck Random them out planting. And, um, and then when it rains, uh, they're, they're ready to go. Yep. Um, so, yeah, really, really vibrant. And in my garden, I get a lot of dark um, amaranth come up. I use it. This year it's come up as a wall along the front. I'm such an idiot. I cut the best one out of the front. Oh. You know when you just go, okay, they've been getting shade to the chilies for the whole season. They're all looking good. And then I think I better just cut one out. What an idiot. <laughs> so anyway, and now they're all scorching in the sun. But it looks fantastic with that dark red and the oh, vibrant good. orange. Yep. Um, and I just let them come up together. It's, um, yeah, really, really fantastic little annual. Fantastic. Now just a quick reminder before we go that um, Cloud Hill uh Festival of Flowers has been cancelled for today because there is fire activity in the area, so don't go up to the Dandenongs today. Don't get in the way of emergency services there on the road. So uh, if you're planning to go up, it has been cancelled for today. We've run out of time for yet another week. Um, don't forget uh, to go to our Facebook page to have a look at all the plants we've been talking about. Um, also, you can now go to Instagram. Just uh, type in 3CR Gardening Show and click on follow. And uh, that will all gradually grow. We'll have more uh, entries into that as well. So um, until next week, again, uh, do tune in at 7.30. Bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.